Break the Cycle with DSD, episode number 25. Today's episode is brought to you by hypnosisdownloads.com. Hypnosis Downloads offers over a thousand self-hypnosis MP3 audio files in areas that help with social anxiety, relationships, self-confidence, and more. You can learn more about them and support the channel by visiting www.dadsurvivingdivorce.com slash hypnosis. The information in this show is my opinion and for informational and educational purposes only. Please consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes to your mental health. All right, guys, let's jump into this this topic or the the premise of this podcast is the path through the darkness. This is going to be revisiting my path and what I went through uh, and the process <clears throat> to heal from this situation. And it, it, there's, I hit this from time to time because I think it's a really important thing to talk about. And it's a good reminder just to kind of hit the, uh, the complexities of this, how long it takes, and uh, the phases that I had to go through are, I'm going to call them pillars that I had to use for my support to, to really heal from this. And, and the first thing that you really have to understand on this is that this is a very difficult journey. This isn't like other relationships where everything ends in a positive way and there's closure and there's decent communication and you're left in a way to where you can move on and heal from this. And in these situations, it's a lot more complicated. There's a lot more things going on and you can really feel overwhelmed for most of the time while you're, while you're going through this. And it's, it's really, really tough. And I, and I, and I think that, you know, that's one of those things that you really have to hit because I know most of the time people get stuck in this mode where they just don't understand why it's taking so long and how they're stuck with it. And, and I know for me personally, when I was going through that, I felt that something had to be significantly wrong with me because other people can heal, other people can move on, but here I am unable to do any of that. And it just made no sense to me. It was just, it was just really, really overwhelming. And, and this leads into one of the, one of the things that uh, I really struggled with, and that was the denial of the facts or the reality of what was going, was going on. So there was a significant period of time where I basically just ignored what was going on. And, and part of this, what I'm talking about is whenever there, you think that there's some stability and, and basically what I mean is, is like when you take all of those emotions and, and those feelings associated with all of this and you, and you find that box, you find that little box and you, you put everything in there and then you put the lid on it and then you wrap it up and lock it up and put chains on it and you put it under, under your bed and you hide stuff on it. And it's just, it's completely out of sight, out of mind. And you think, and you feel that, uh, you know, Hey, I'm doing okay. I, I, you know, I've dealt with this. I don't need, I don't feel any pain anymore. And it's not because in that situation for me, it wasn't because I dealt with it and I had processed it. It's because I had, you know, put it away. I had hidden it away. I wasn't addressing it. I wasn't dealing with it. And I lied to myself that I was healed, that I was better, that I was over it and moved on. 
the, the key with this, or the thing to really remember, if there is anything that triggers an emotion, a significant emotional response, if, and that can be anything from, you know, you get an email, bing, you know, your computer bings, and you look, and there's their name, and you have that, that, that emotional uh, PTSD anxiety type response, that's an indication that you haven't healed. You see their car someplace, or you see a, a car that is very similar to what they had. Maybe it's not them, but you have an anxiety attack because of it. That is a significant indicator that something that you haven't healed from it, that you haven't processed those emotions, and that you're just glazing over it. You're denying that you've what you're dealing with and how you felt, and you're really setting yourself up for for failure and for further further hurt. And one of the things that that uh, was significant for me is when things started to go south. And on that, what happened is there was a, cu- there was a couple of things. One, I, uh, things had, were going pretty well for me. And I thought that I, like I said, I thought I was doing a lot better. Um, I had met my girlfriend, Debbie, we started going out, everything seemed great. And I was keeping it quiet, right? I hadn't told the kids and I wasn't really putting it out there for other people to know. And uh, as a result, you know, the ex thought she was winning and and was basically leaving me alone. Now, a few months into it, that changed. Uh, You know, three months into it, I introduced introduced her to the kids, which means the ex found out about it rather quickly, and everything went to hell. She picked up the phone and picked, you know, called child support services and said I was a deadbeat dad, not paying my support obligation, which I was, they were garnishing my pay, but... But they proceeded to start messing with me. I had at the same time, the IRS was messing with me. Uh, and it's just all of those suppressed emotions, that box that I had hidden away that was all locked up, exploded, exploded in, uh, in a, a catastrophic way. That wasn't a heck of a lot of fun, to say the least. That's like the understatement of the year. And it was incredibly tough. And, and so I think we get in, a lot of us get into that stage where we're in denial, thinking we are better than we are. Now, the, the other issue on that before I move on is whenever you're doing no contact and you're not inter, interfacing with your ex and you're not tapping to deal with them and they're not basically poking you in the eye, you can feel pretty good because you're getting that distance from it but you haven't processed it, right? So whenever you have to engage with them again, you haven't dealt with those emotions. So they come flooding back. You'll know when you're healing, you'll know when you're starting to get better, when those things that used to trigger those emotional responses no longer do that. When you can see a vehicle and you don't have a panic attack. When you get an email from them and you don't have a panic attack, that's when you know that you're actually starting to heal. But it took me a long time to get to that point. That was not an easy thing to get to. It, uh, you know, I mean, I'm there now. I'm doing pretty good now. I mean, I feel probably better emotionally than I have actually probably in my entire life. But it was a, it was a process to get here. And part of that is, is, especially in the beginning part of this, is recognizing that you're still stuck, that, that those triggers do play a huge part in what you're going through. And that, you know, those flashes of anger happen whenever you get some type of external stimuli. And that could be from your ex, or that could even be from somebody who says something. 
that just really rubs you the wrong way. You know, I, I see that often on the channel where in this, and I will not go dive, deep dive into this, but, but one of the hot button issues that really gets to people is support. Paying support or receiving support are for the most part, the person paying the support and the person receiving not get, not getting it because the narcissistic ex has a unique ability to circumvent everything and get away with a lot. But uh, that's what I mean is like whenever those those hot button issues immediately bring that flash of anger and bitterness and, and rage back to you because you st- you haven't processed it. Here, and, and just to just last thing I want to hit on this is you can heal from this. You can get to the point where you can have a discussion about it and not have those emotions creep back. I think I'm a pretty good example of that. Um, there are times where I'll kind of like tap, try to tap into that for effect, not for effect, but just to, to, to be able to remember those emotional times. But for the most part, probably I would say 85% of the time, it, I can have a logical discussion about past events that a few years ago would have had or would have caused a significant emotional response, <laughs> you know, and you just, the bottom line is, is that you're stuck and you just can't get them out of your head. You're spending all your time thinking about them, writing about them, talking about them, and just stuck in this infinite do loop about them, which is exactly where they want you to be perfectly honest. They want you trapped thinking about them and unable to move forward. That is uh, that's a, that's a significant part of what, they're trying to do. But you can, and you will, especially by putting the work in, be able to get to where that is not the case. So now I'm going to jump into the four pillars of support that I used, or that was really critical for me in my healing. And now, just as I, before I start this, I just want to say that this was a long process. This was not a few months. This unfortunately was about a couple year process. That was not a lot of fun. Um, I'm well, I needed to go through it cause I was just circling out of control, but the first pillar of support, the first thing that I think you really need to really help you on this is a professional licensed therapist who is skilled in dealing and helping with pe- people through these emotionally abusive situations. You know, you, you want them to have an understanding of cluster B personality types. You want them to understand what all this stuff means and to know how to help you through it with, because unfortunately there are some who are not. And when that happens, they tend to use modalities that kind of trigger you, not kind of, they, they re-traumatize you because you're not, they're not able to help you deal and process with your, with your emotions and your feelings on this because they're dealing with it in their, under a different, different construct. The other thing I have to say is you have to be not careful what you say, but uh, more than likely, especially in the beginning stages of this, you are going to be emotionally a wreck. You're probably going to be a little paranoid. You are probably going to come across as a person who is not doing well, which is true, but those indicators can also lead them down a different path. So it's you want to have somebody who understands this so they understand where you're coming from and they can you know, cause see here, the problem is, is like, okay, are, is the problem that you're having the way you're acting, the paranoia, all that stuff, is that an indicator of a different problem? The problem that you potentially may be dealing with or have, 
or is it from external sources and though and your reactions are based on uh you know what's the word I'm looking for the the response to those those actions so bottom line is is that you have to find a really good therapist now in my situation I was incredibly fortunate that I had one who was phenomenal and I did not seek her out with all the stuff I'm telling you telling you about I did not seek her out for this specific thing primarily because I had no clue what I was dealing with. I did not know about MPD. I did not know about cluster, uh, cluster B personality disorders. I knew none of this, and I just didn't understand where, why I was trapped, why I was feeling this way, and why I was unable to move forward. Uh, and I did spend a significant amount of time working with her, and it wasn't until farther in the whole process where she finally offered up a little nugget of truth that uh, really helped me in my recovery. But, you know, even with a really skilled therapist, it was still a very difficult process and it required a tremendous amount of work. And what happened in my situation is I, I started, like I mentioned earlier, I was I was having all these external things that were just just coming at me and my whole world felt like it was collapsing and my emotional state was falling, falling apart. I mean, it was really not a pleasant or healthy situation. And I remember at one point, and I, and I know for people who are longtime listeners of my YouTube channel and maybe some of the other previous podcasts, I'm not sure if I've actually mentioned this in a podcast before, but about a year into it when I was really doing bad, I mean, I was at the point where I was like, you know what, we need to, I need to see you once a week or twice. A week. I mean, I was like, I mean, this isn't where I am not making progress. And I was getting, I was getting, it was getting bad. I mean, it was, I was really kind of spiraling out of control. And at the, it, towards the end of one session, the, the therapist had said, you know, I've been seeing you for, you know, about a year. I haven't, I've only talked to your ex once. I haven't ever had her in, in the office. So I, I can't make a diagnosis. However, from talking with you, from, from what you've been telling me, what's been happening with you and what's been happening with the kids, there is a possibility or a strong likelihood that your ex might have narcissistic personality disorder and not have it and not diagnosed. And she said, and I'm not diagnosing her. I don't know. I am just basing this off of what you've been saying for the, since I've been seeing you and, you know, with the patterns of behavior that you're talking about. So, I mean, you know, she was very, 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 uh, a lot of caveats, which I get because, you know, she's trying to make sure that she doesn't get herself in ethical hot water. That, and, and to be honest, when she said that, I was like, oh, seriously, really? Okay, fine, whatever. Yeah, you know. And she pulled out a book and she, you know, read off some symptoms and I'm like, no, the, the thing for me is when I went home and Googled that, it was like, oh my God. So that was a, a, a big, um, a big change. And, but this, and this kind of leads me into the second pillar of support, which in my mind is homework. And I actually asked my therapist for homework. I'm like, and this was early on before things got really, really frustrating. I'm like, look, you know, just talking to you for 45 minutes every two weeks isn't working. I need additional stuff that I can be working on during the time that uh, we're not meeting. 
to where I can still continue to, to try to heal and get better on this. And, and so she actually started recommending books and, and different things for me to work on between sessions, you know, and that, that was the second part of it. Because what you don't want to do is in my mind is you don't want to just go to your therapist for, you know, once a month or once every other week or even once a week and then just be like, oh, okay, all right, well, I'll see, you know, see you next time. I mean, it's, you know, it, it's kind of like if you go to a doctor, like take, take uh, my diabetes, for instance, you know, I mean, there's things I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to take my medication. I'm supposed to watch what I eat. I'm supposed to exercise. I'm supposed to do all these things. So there's all this extra work I need to do to help on that. It, it, there's more to it than just showing up every few months and going, okay, let's look at my results. Oh, wow. I haven't gotten any better. I wonder why that is. Well, cause I'm not, <laughs> cause I'm not doing the work. So, I mean, that's a, that's a, uh, an important part of it. And I would encourage you, if you are seeing a therapist, to ask that, to say, okay, you know, Dr. So-and-so, what else can I do? What else, I mean, is there a book I should be reading? Is there an exercise I should be doing? What else can I be doing to help me along in my healing? So this also gave, gave me something to, uh, to focus on in between those times to try to keep my forward momentum. Now, like I've already mentioned things got really bad. I mean, it really started falling apart on me. And this kind of rolls into my third pillar of support, which I, I, I consider that like the online communities, YouTube videos, and, and that type of stuff. And as I mentioned, you know, after the therapist mentioned the potential for NPD, I started doing searches. And you know, initial couple of searches led me to a couple of websites. I remember one talking about divorcing a narcissist and it was just like, I, it was amazing because I was looking at it and everything they were saying was like, oh, if you're, if, if you're trying to divorce and co-parent with a narcissistic personality type, they will do, you know, they won't, they won't work with you. They won't share information. They will, you know, triangulate the teachers with you. They will, I mean, it's just like laundry list of stuff. And I'm like, oh my God, yes, 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 yes. I mean, it was just like a, a checklist of things, you know, it's like, I felt, oh my God, they should have a photograph of my ex right there, which that does help whenever you're starting to try to, you know, it helps lift that fog. And one of the th the, the two things that really kind of helped me at this stage, one was a blog I found, and I, I was just looking at it recently, and it does st actually still exist. It's from author Zuri Ballard, and she writes about narcissistic abuse, and she has some books uh, and stuff. And one of them, the first one I got was When Love is a Lie. And I got that. And she has a very raw way of communicating and writing. And, and you know, it definitely has a flair and style. But again, it was one of those things where I was like, oh, my God, I so relate to this. And, and, and for her, she's writing about it from the female perspective. But it all it all related. And that's one thing you'll also notice is that for the most part, it's gender neutral is when you have a toxic personality, that type that is targeting you for emotional abuse, it doesn't necessarily matter. I mean, yes, there are some stereotypes or that are more, more masculine and some that are more, more feminine, but bottom line, they do the same thing. You can have overt narcissistic personality types that are women. You can obviously have them as men the same thing with covert, you can have women, well, women are typically covert, but you can also have men do the same thing. It's important to know that because oftentimes what I've seen is somebody who has been targeted and abused by an overtly abusive person, if they do not heal from this, will end up finding 
the opposite type, but typically you start with an overt and then you end up with a covert because they do it differently. So you think, oh, well, this person's different. They're not treating me bad and, you know, overtly. They're not putting me down in public with everyone. It's more subtle. So you rationalize that it's okay. It's still not okay. But I just want to mention that because I have seen that so many times with, with people where they haven't healed, they've jumped into another relationship and it's still an abusive relationship because you really haven't been able to do the work or you haven't done the work to, to really address the issues and fix it. So anyways, I, I just wanted to mention, you know, because it did help me, um, Zari stuff did help me. And then the next thing that really did help me on this and keep in mind during all of this, I'm still going to therapy and I'm still really struggling on all of this. The other, um, YouTube or you, the, uh, her thing, that one wasn't a YouTube thing, but, uh, the other one was Richard Granyan and the Spartan life coach. And I know people have mixed opinions of him, but at that particular time in my life, it was incredibly helpful and his raw and, uh, comedic way of, of expressing the information, putting it out there, I could relate to at the time. And I remember I would have conversations with my therapist about, uh, some of the videos that I had watched and the information. She had watched some of them as well. He wasn't a big fan of his uh, use of language. But, uh, but I mean, it, it was helpful for me. And I was doing that in conjunction. So in conjunction with the therapy, I'm reading books. I'm listening to, um, you know, podcast or not podcasts, but I didn't really was a big podcast person at the time. But listening to Richard Grannon videos, and I would a lot of times just listen to the same one over and over and over again. It was just like really just trying to drive that information into my head so that I could uh, could recognize what was going on and, and, I mean, kind of drill it into my head that I would believe it. And again, these, these sources basically kept me focused on reality, on what was really going on, and it helped me to uh, significantly keep me on track until the next therapy session. And I mean, and, I, and that was kind of like one of those things. I just felt like I was in this, in this endless do loop that I wasn't making much progress. And it was, it was really, really tough. And I, and I know some of you guys are going through that. I, I can tell that by the comments and the emails that I get. And, and I mean, I, and I can absolutely have empathy with that because I remember being there and it's a really tough time. And when you're in that mode, you're really just kind of, you know, you're treading water, just trying to keep you focused, to keep you like focused on reality, focused on what's real, not getting sucked back into the illusion or not falling into the trap that that's what you want. You want that illusion back, which you do. You want this not to be true. You, you want this to be something completely different, to be a misunderstanding, to not be, be true. And, and. I mean, it's, it's a tough, it's a tough road. And, and so here, here's the thing, and I'm going to get to the four, the, the fourth pillar here in a moment, but during the course of this, I mean, we're talking about, this is like probably a year into going to therapy, probably, you know, a year and a half after the, um, the, uh, uh, the, the divorce at this time, I do have, uh, my girl, you know, Debbie still my girlfriend at the time. And, uh, it, it was, it was just, it was really bad. I mean, it was like this roller coaster where everything went up doing pretty good and then just started crashing down and just kept going down. It was really, really scary. I mean, there were times where it just, it wasn't good, you know? I mean, thank God Debbie was very supportive and uh, respectful of boundaries and she was able to say the, say the right thing. Now, now, keep in mind, she's, you know, I mean, she's got the social work background, the master's degree, 
working towards that and is working towards getting, you know, her certifications and everything. So she, <laughs> so she should have, <laughs> she should have the knowledge to do that. But I was very fortunate, right? Cause there was a lot of times where I fully expected her to shame me and guilt me and, and make me feel even worse. But the, the crazy part though, is even whenever she did things right, it actually still was hard for me because it, it still messed with my mind, right? I mean, it's like she was responding the way I would hope someone re, would respond, but not the way that my my ex-wife would would have ever responded to me, the way my dad would have ever responded to me, to me, my mother. You know, it was a complete, completely different thing, and it it messed with my mind, right? I mean, it, what you would, and the crazy part is, is you would think that I would be like, oh, thank God, you know, I have somebody who really gets it. And instead of having that that um, response, it made things worse and harder because my brain was like, wait a minute, what? What? No, no, everyone treats me like crap. You're supposed to treat me like crap too. Why aren't you treating me? You know, it was, I think in some ways it was like I was, I, I was sabot- trying, trying to sabotage the relationship and, and I was doing an outstanding job of that, to be perfectly honest. But uh, fortunately, we were able to work through it. Um, I would personally not recommend anybody going through that. You know, you you want to heal yourself and be be good, you know, be in the right frame of mind before you do it. Now, like I said, I thought I was. I mean, when I was not going no contact, basically wasn't involved, you know, the ex wasn't attacking me and all these other things weren't happening, I was feeling pretty good. Like I said, I put that box under the bed with all those emotions that I hadn't really addressed and it blew up in my face. As soon as, as soon as the uh, foundation started cracking, I fell apart. You have to work on yourself to build a good solid foundation for the, for the rest, you know, for your life so that these things don't affect you negatively. Right. And it's, I, I know it's hard to say, and unless you, unless you've had that backslide, you probably aren't, aren't even thinking about it or worried about it. But again, what I'll say, and just quickly to reiterate what I mentioned before, if you are having those visceral anxiety type responses on seeing their car, getting an email from them, getting a text or a phone call, uh, you know, checking the mail, anything like that, you're not healed. And if you're in that situation and if everything's relatively stable, right? I mean, even if you're like feeling pretty good, then take that time to work on, to work on this. You owe it to yourself. You owe it to yourself to do that because that's the key to getting your life back, to minimizing the effect they have on your life and taking your power back. So now I'm going to jump into the fourth pillar of support. And this is going to be a little odd. And I call this one the the hypnosis download files. And I just want to say right off the bat, this one was a was a stretch for me because I mean, all of this stuff, to be perfectly honest, was because I wasn't a big proponent of therapy in the beginning of this. I thought I thought they were witch doctors. It was all mumbo jumbo. It's not. Same thing with this hypnosis thing. I mean, prior to this, I would have been like, you've got to be kidding me. I am not. I mean, seriously, I am not going to do this. Here's the thing. Rolling into the two year mark on this, I was spiraling out of control. I was, if you remember, uh, I have an old video where I talked about uh, doing journals. And I have hundreds, hundreds of pages, probably over 400 pages of me writing the same darn thing over and over again, just trapped in this infinite do loop where I was unable to move forward. And I had a, I had a buddy of mine at this particular time who said, man, Dwayne, you, you, you've got to try something else, man. 
you know, you're doing the therapy thing, which I would tell him, I mean, I was told him that I was doing that. I mean, at least he, I, I, it was a guy I could really be, be open to. And, uh, and he's like, man, you, you got to try something different. You know, he goes, have you, have you thought about doing hypnosis? And I'm, and I was just, I, I remember when he said it, I was just kind of like, <sighs> I'm like, no, but maybe you're right. And I, and I talked to my therapist about it and we tried, I, we'd actually tried with my therapist. We tried some other stuff, the EMDR, EDM, EMDR, eye movement desensitization. I can't remember the acronym or reprogramming. Whoops. Hate it when I hit the microphone. But, uh, I mentioned that to her and she, she's like, you know, that's a good idea. And initially I was trying to find if there was a local person who, uh, who could help us or help me with this. I mean, but it was just problematic. I think there was like one in my area, but I couldn't get them to answer the phone and it was just problematic. And I was really desperate. So I'm like, you know what? Forget it. I'm just going to, I'm, I'm going to search online and see if I can find something, you know, maybe I could find something online or something I could do. And I did. And, and, you know, full disclosure, uh, you know, hypnosis downloads, or they're also called uncommon knowledge is a uh, sponsor of this podcast. Uh, so if you happen to follow the links, for anything that I recommend on that, I do get, uh, or the channel does get a little kickback from it. So, and there's been a few people who've, who've done it. And I hope the people who have done it, it has helped them because I know when I looked at it and I found, and what I linked to is their relationship pack. And when I found that, and I also linked to it through, uh, through my website on my resources, resources page, but it's one of those things where, you know, I found a few of them that made, that seemed like they would make sense. And I bought them. And I started listening to them and I would listen to them multiple times a day. When I got home from work, I would, you know, as soon as I got home, I would listen to them. Sometimes I would listen to them. If I could take a little pause at work, I would put them on and listen to them in headphones. Uh, when I got home, I would listen to them. I'd listen to them before I go to bed. If it was the weekend, I was listening to them in the morning. I was listening to them throughout the day. You know, I would take a break and lay down because I was sleeping a lot at this point in time. And I do think in retrospect, I think it, it, it did help. And one thing I'll also say is that the first time I listened to any one of those, there, you know, there was, I think there was four in the pack that I got. There might be five. And every time, and I hate to, I hate to say this because it, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't exactly make me sound incredibly manly, but I got upset and emotional when I would hear them. When, when, when those files would talk about like, unrequ- it's like I, I, one, one was unrequited love. One was learning to let go. One was, uh, what the heck else were they? They were, they were, you know, I'm just going to look these up real quick. So I'm just going to try to scroll over here and, uh, and check them out. And it was, uh, yeah, mending your broken heart, getting over divorce, let it go unrequited, unrequited love. And every time I would listen to the first time I would listen to them, I mean, it would tear me up. And I would listen to them on repeat and I would, I would cycle them with different ones. And it was, uh, it was helpful. I mean, it, now it didn't help immediately. And keep in mind at this particular time, I'm doing the hypnosis files. I'm watching YouTube videos, um, you know, still reading books, going to therapy once a week. And uh, then things started to get better. It was the most painful process I have ever been through in my entire life. And it felt like it was never going to end. It felt like I was going to be stuck in this cycle, feeling this way, feeling this pain 
for the rest of my life. I was hoping basically just to get to the point that I could get numb enough to be able to keep putting one foot in front of the other. I, to be perfectly honest at that, and I know I've said this before, at that particular time, I didn't think that where I am today was even possible. I didn't think I could get to this point. And, you know, my hope is, is that you can look at it, look at my story. You can see that and go, okay, you know what? If this guy can get through this and can get his life back and feel better, then maybe I can too, right? I mean, that's kind of the whole purpose of of this thing. So let me jump into what I consider the fundamental truths of healing from this type of emotional abuse. And, you know, healing from an emotionally abusive relationship is incredibly hard work and it takes a significant amount of time. Let me just repeat that. Healing from an emotionally abusive relationship is going to be very hard and is going to take a significant amount of time. From what I've been talking about throughout this podcast, we're talking about a two-year period. Actually, it might even be rolling onto the three-year period at this, at the point of what I'm talking about. It was very difficult. And, and here's the thing. Most people do not understand this. And, and unfortunately, therapists who are not skilled in this type of emotional abuse, they don't necessarily understand it either. And the problem is, is that in those situations, especially from your local, you know, support group people, is when they say stuff like, you just need to get over it, you just need to let it go, you know, or worse, you know, you just need to get laid and get in another relationship. You know, that, that advice isn't helpful. It, it actually makes you feel worse because you're like, okay, what's wrong with me? Why can't I get over it? Why can't I let it go? I know that this person's emotionally abusive. I know that they've you know, destroyed my life because you feel really catastrophic at the time. And it's like, why can't I let it go? I should be able to let it go. And everyone's telling me, why can't you let it go? And you're like, oh my God, what is wrong? You know, everyone else can let it go. Everyone else sees what's going on, but I'm stuck. I'm still thinking about this person. I can't get them out of my mind. I can't get them out of my head. And, and that's what's really tough. And that's one thing that's really good about like this community is that, you know, people understand. So you have a support group or peer support group that that's been there and understands what you're going through. And they're not basically saying, Hey, you just need to let it go. You know, why can't you just let it go? You know, and then talking about uh, getting back to the whole, you know, you just need to get in another relationship or get laid. I remember, fortunately, thank God, my therapist was like, you absolutely do not need to do do that um, at the time. I mean, that was before I met Debbie. But I remember uh, my uh, the kid's therapist was like, oh, you just need to get laid. And I'm like, what? So thank God at the time. And, and I, I don't know if I've mentioned this, but the therapist I had that really had a breakthrough with this, I had one before. I just stopped using, uh, I stopped using her because it, she wasn't under insurance and it was killing me financially. I mean, I was playing, I was paying, you know, the 80 to a hundred dollars a session. And I can't remember if I was going every other week or every week, but at that time I was getting, that was way early in the uh, divorce process and I was getting brutalized financially and I ran out of money. I ran up all my credit cards and I just wasn't able to pay it anymore, so I had to stop. So, um, 
And that one was like, no, you don't need to date. Right. And, and unfortunately I, like I mentioned before, I, when I put everything away, put it in, put it in that box and I thought I was feeling better. And then I met Debbie and you know, everything, I mean, for three months, everything was great. You know, I mean, I thought, you know, it's like, wow, this is great. I've got my life back. And yeah, there was still some frustration in there, but, uh, I was distracted enough where it didn't bother me. But as soon as, as soon as those triggers came back, I, you know, again, what I was talking about before is if things happen and you're not able to deal with it in a rational, calm way, calm way, that means you haven't healed from it and you still have work to do, which is okay. You just need to recognize it so you can do it. So the other thing is, is, you know, when you're going through this, you're basically going to question everything about your reality. So and this is where those, the, the external or your support group is really important because anybody who basically is parroting that internal dialogue in your head that says you're a piece of crap and that you're wrong and you're doing the wrong thing, you're, you're so used to being put down and belittled that you're expecting it from everybody. And if someone else is doing that, especially in a support role, you are going to, it's going to make it a lot harder because you're going to basically use that to invalidate what you're dealing with and what you're feeling and what the reality is. So you need to be careful of that because that is also a very common thing that happens to people who are targets of this is you're so used to that chaos that you are oftentimes going to just go down that path that uh, you're looking for someone to tell you that you're wrong and that, you know, you're, you're the problem. They're not the problem. It's not, you know, that type of thing. And it's just, just another thing to just kind of be be um, be cautious about and be aware of, and and the next thing and 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 this is really important because it, it really all boils down to it's all about perspective, and the the thing the the biggest single thing that changes throughout all of this is your perspective. Now I know that may seem kind of weird. It's like wait what? That don't make any sense. What do you mean perspective? Well, what I'm talking about is that you start to realize what is real. You start to realize what, what's actually happened to you and what's every, everyone's role in this, in, including your own. I think, you know, in the early stages, you got to be a little careful about hitting your, your, what your role in it, because that rolls back to what I was talking about before, is this, if, you know, you start looking at your role, then you amplify that when you're still in that, you're still under the, the, the emotional control of an emotional abuser then, you know, it's like the whole thing, well, I caused this, you know, they did this because of this, you know, and, and you got to be careful of that. You, we all need to work on ourselves, right? We, we have to go through this, this process and ultimately have to work on what our part of this whole thing was, because that's really going to be the key to you healing on it. But bottom line is it's getting back to this. It's, it's, it's all about that perspective and how you start looking at things differently. And that, that's really an important stage in this whole thing. And it was a huge, huge part for me. Now, the thing, the next thing I, I want, I want to just hit on this, and, and this may seem a little weird, but I think there's a gift that we get from this. And I think the single greatest gift from all of this, now that sounds weird, is learning to self-validate. It's, it's learning that you don't need validation from someone else. Now, depending on how we grew up, we may have never got, we may have always been looking for validation from someone else. And we've never may, we may have never received that, let alone learn the skill of being able to validate yourself. The problem is, is whenever you are getting that validation from an external source or a different person from 
your girlfriend, from your spouse, from your boyfriend, from your job, from your boss, from you know your parents, whatever the deal is, whenever you're gauging your self-worth off of an external source, it's, it's really setting you up for problems. Because the, the thing is, is when you need external validation, it's, it's easy for people to take advantage of you and to push your boundaries because you don't want to, to hold to your boundaries because you're afraid of the consequence. You're afraid of not getting that conditional love or that conditional validation. So it makes it really tough that you, you know, you're not able to, to basically put yourself first. But when you learn to validate yourself, when you learn that you don't need someone else to make you feel whole or to make you feel happy, that you know, your well-being, emotional well-being is predicated on a different individual, it, it, it's a game changer. It is a game changer and it, it enables you to stand up for yourself. It enables you to establish healthy boundaries. It enables you to establish exactly what you want and need in a relationship. And, to, um, and it basically sets you up to where you, are, you won't be able to be controlled through fear and intimidation. Because ultimately, whenever someone starts breaking you down, you're, you will be able to say, hey, wait a minute. No, this is not, you know, this isn't real. And I'm not going to be chasing this carrot from you to try to get you to, to, uh, to validate me or to respect me or to love me. And learning that, although it's an incredibly painful lesson, I mean, don't get me wrong. This was not the easy, this was probably the most painful thing that I've ever learned in my life. But when you get to that point, when you get to that point where you don't need someone else to make your life better, then you choose people you want to have in your life. You can find people who compliment you or to, you know, who, who you guys can compliment each other. And that is the key. You are in the point in that, in that situation, you are in a, in a situation to where you can express your wants and your needs without fear of retaliation. I mean, you may still not want to deal with conflict, but you can have a conversation with somebody and say, look, this is a problem. And I, you are stepping over a personal boundary and we need to deal with this. And if the person says, you know, shame, 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 you know, guilt, 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 you can say calmly and rationally, okay, Bill or Diane or whatever, you can say, okay, well, that's a problem. And, um, you know, I'm glad we talked about this, but this is something that's not going to work for me. And we are going to need to take a break or break up, or, you know, you're gonna have to move out, which I would highly encourage you to take everything slow. But that's really the, you know, that's the key, right? I mean, you want to be able to have those conversations and have good communication. And, and see, and the other thing on that is if when you haven't done all of this and you do have those conversations and the person just rehoovers you or love bombs you, you want to believe it so much that you believe it and you think, oh my God. I mean, I, cause I had that, I had that in my relationship where there was a few times where I'm like, Hey, this has, this has got to stop. And as soon as they said, or as soon as she said the right things, I was like, oh my God, this is great. You know, oh my, thank God this happened. We've had this conversation and it was such a breakthrough, but it wasn't right. I mean, it was like the actions and words didn't match. And I paid a consequence every time that I did that, you know, maybe not the next day or that immediate moment, but oh, there was a cost. 
And that's the thing you have to look out for, right? And you have to respect yourself. You have to validate yourself and you have to understand that you are a worthy human and a, and your emotional well-being is important and it's up to you to give it that value and to ensure that 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 that, that happens. So anyways, so I am going to wrap this up. So on that, I hope going through this path through my darkness, this little reminder of what I went through is helpful for you, helpful for you. And hopefully you can relate to it. Hopefully you can look at it and go, you know what? All right, Dwayne, you know, you, that, that I'm there. I feel, you know, you're talking about things that I'm going through right now. And you can look at my channel and listen to the podcast and, and see somebody who's been able to, to process this, make it through the other side and uh, really get their life back and turn something positive out of something negative. So for more information on this particular episode, you can check out the show notes by traveling over to or setting your browser over to http colon slash slash www.dadsurvivingdivorce.com slash podcast slash 025 for this particular episode. And don't forget the show sponsor, Hypnosis Downloads. Uh, you can get to them by going to dadsurvivingdivorce.com slash hypnosis. That will take you directly to their thing. If you decide that it would be helpful for you, there's a little uh, kickback that goes to the channel and helps support the channel. And just know, guys, you can get through this. There is a pathway through the darkness. You can get your life back and you will not be stuck underneath that narcissistic spell forever. So take care and I will chat with you on the next video and the next podcast. Thanks.